Welcome to Tiny Histories, the podcast that tells the big stories behind the small things. I'm your host, Daisha Clay. On this show, you're going to hear true stories told by the people that they happen to. Each story revolves around a person, place, or thing. Think of them kind of like historical markers in that person's life. By the way, Tiny Histories is a big endeavor run by a small crew. You can find ways to support the show, and you can find out how to share your own tiny history at tinyhistoriespodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to, rate, and review the show wherever you listen. If you're into contemporary art, or if you've, say, driven past a billboard or gone to a grocery store, you might know Jack Massing. He's one half of the art duo The Art Guys, a conceptual collaboration between Jack and Michael Galbraith that existed for 34 years until Galbraith's death in 2019. The New York Times described the art guys as a cross between Dada and David Letterman, John Cage, and the Smothers Brothers. They often took this direct-to-public approach with their art, where they staged exhibitions in places like grocery stores and airports. They did some hilarious and beautiful stuff together. One of my favorites was when they put giant googly eyes on the outside of the Contemporary Art Museum Houston. The thing I love about the story that you're about to hear from Jack is that it's kind of the purest form of tiny history. When we connected for this interview, Jack was in his art studio, and he literally reached down and picked up something from off of his desk and just started telling the story behind it. And it turned out to be connected to who he became as a person, an artist, and and as it turns out, connected to the entire universe. Here we go. I, I had at a young age a paper route, and on my paper route... I would see the trash every week of two streets. I lived on Heritage Road in Western New York in in Tonawanda, and I delivered papers to Heritage Road and Burnside Drive. Um, All in all, I had about 100 houses that I delivered papers to. I actually lied about my age. When I was 11, I, I got my paper out, and I was supposed to be 12. I also did a lot of odd jobs, and my interests were wide. I did. I would find golf balls on the golf course near our house, and I would clean them up and sell them to golfers. I also, because of that, learned that the golfers would buy drinks. So I would make iced tea or lemonade and get some canned sodas, and I would take the golf balls in a cooler out to the 15th tee and basically sell, sell these things to the golfers, along with a couple friends of mine you know, in the neighborhood. And um, one day, one of the golfers said, I would give you $5 for a beer. The next time I went out, I took a few of my mom's beers and hit them under the ice in the bottom of the cooler. So I pulled out a beer one one day when this guy asked me for one and I sold it to him. He gave me five bucks. Well, that ended up being the last day I was able to sell anything on the golf course because he must have gone back to to the clubhouse and bragged about it. And somebody heard about it and they came out in a couple carts, you know, the people that run the golf course to run me off. And I digress because this is really about having a paper route and understanding the weekly and monthly tempo of trash from houses. And people threw out a lot of cool stuff. So I would kind of collect it. And I, I had a wagon that I had the papers in. I started loading my wagon with junk, cool things I found. Uh, being discarded that I couldn't believe 
had so much value to me <laughs> and obviously not to the people who were getting rid of it. Because of this, I went into a lot of buildings that were being destroyed or abandoned. And I truly believe that that paper route and the understanding of that, the trash cycles and then keeping an eye on free things, things that were being discarded or objects that were being just completely abandoned, not even discarded, just left where they were, gave me a lot of interest and a lot of ideas. And it wasn't until later when I kind of became an artist that I realized that these small objects, these little things that I find that pique my interest for various reasons are what give me motivation to create objects and to create ideas and to make things. And one day I was with my friends and we went to the, we called it the Southern Tier. We would go down skiing in Western New York, or we would go to these lakes or streams to fish. And we would always look around in the landfills or, or in junk stores or in places that had stuff that I was interested in. And one day, I and two other friends of mine, we went into an abandoned farmhouse that was basically full of everything. It was disheveled and obviously rifled through at different times by whoever. But I found this, it's as famous since 1842, and it's an Indian head, and it's an Iroquois Indian, and I think it's probably from the beer, Iroquois beer. He's wearing a feather headdress that is very big. It's way bigger than his head. And it's a strikingly beautiful metal. And um, it's a vessel that was probably used to hold spoons or maybe a bottle of something. It could easily fit a, a small bottle. And it was left on a shelf in this house. And it had a rotten bottom in it, which I replaced with some, some felt. And I've used it for things since I was you know, 16 or 17 years old. I still have it. So it means a lot to me. And the idea and the, the cultural significance of this has changed in my mind over time as I've aged and understand basically the story of the Indians. In, in Western New York, there were a lot of Indians. There were the Chippewa Indians. And I think they were part of the Iroquois tribe. Obviously, then understanding the history of the United States and how Indians were completely abused and kicked off the land and the Trail of Tears and all these different stories of Indians being put on reservations and basically sequestered away. And we stole America or the New World from these people that have lived here for thousands of years. And the idea of that pains me so much just to think that there were these amazing people that were self-sufficient, prosperous. And this, so this Iroquois Indian signifies that to me now, and it didn't then. And then it was just this cool old thing. And it says since 1842 on it, which I understand and understood then that that was an advertising thing for beer. And this was probably made in the 1940s or 30s. I don't really know that much about the origins of this thing. I never really looked it up. I did not want to chase its history because I wanted to kind of keep it as my own history. And it's followed me all around to all the different studios I've had and different things I put in it. And actually about, I don't know, it was about 15 years ago or 20 years ago, I stopped putting things in it because I just liked it as a vessel in and of itself. 
And then I thought of the metaphor of this open vessel, which is on the top of the Indian's head, and the ideas and the histories that could be put into or taken out of this Indian is just staggering to me. And for something to be small, such as this, but even smaller, an idea, to me, is this, it's almost a poetic kind of understanding, which I know intuitively, but I've actually never even expressed it. So this is literally the first time I've ever talked to anybody about the idea of this Indian head and how it connects my history to the history of the beer company, to the history of the American Indian, to the history of Western New York, to all these things. And luckily, I'm fully aware that if if we study anything, no matter how small, that leads to the universe. You could pick anything you can think of. Aluminum, you could think of clouds, you could think of a color, just the idea of a color. You could think of the color turquoise. And if you stop your life and focus on that one little tiny thing, it will lead you to the rest of the universe. And if you study it enough, you will then become well-versed in history and mathematics and geology and engineering and all the different things that people on this planet endeavor in, that you will basically become a, a universalist. You will know what the universe is because we are made from the universe and we exist in the universe. Uh, we're swimming in water that we can't even recognize. But anyway, um, I, I'm just really staggered by the, the layering of ideas that are tiny, you know, s small things that accumulate and accrete in our brains and tie things together. And I, I would like to live for another three or 400 years to really get a better idea of what the universe is. Because I don't think you necessarily have to look up to the sky to see it because it's within us. And that's a powerful idea. You know, it's been 44, 45 years ago that I found it. And it, it lives on this uh, little table that I inherited from my parents after they passed away. A small table that I enjoyed when I was a kid as well. And I don't really have too many objects from my past. I have about maybe 10 objects from my past. Uh, and this is one thing that I've kept. Many thanks to Jack Massing for sharing his story. To learn more about Jack and the Art Guys, go to theartguys.com. There's also a great retrospective of the Art Guys and an obit about Michael Galbraith on Glass Tire that I encourage you to read. To learn how you can advocate for Indigenous people, please visit the International Work Group for Indigenous Affairs, the Native American Rights Fund, or Cultural Survival. We'll put links to all of these in our show notes. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Tiny Histories. We hope it got you thinking about your own stories, and if it did, we'd love to hear from you. Tell us your story at tinyhistoriespodcast.com, and uh, if you do, we might just hit you up to share your story on the podcast or in the Tiny Newsletter. You can find a link to the Tiny Newsletter, show notes and photos of our storytellers, ways to engage with us, and ways to support the show at tinyhistoriespodcast.com. Tiny Histories is written, hosted, and produced by me, Daisha Clay. Our theme music is by the inimitable Nat Evans. 
To find out more about Nat, go to natevansmusic.com. Tiny Histories is a production of Pillow Fort Studios.